Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Well, good morning, church. So great to have all of you here. My name is Matt Malik. I'm the lead pastor here at Refuge, and we're so blessed that you could be with us this morning. And as you have just heard, we're beginning a brand new series, which I'm very excited about. We want to pray as we begin this series, as we begin this message, because I believe we're going to hear some truth that's going to be relevant and radical and transformational in our lives. Because when we come to church, we should come with the anticipation and expectation to receive from the Word of God so we can be built up, so we can be challenged and convicted to go outside of these four walls and minister the life-changing message of Christ. And so we want to empower you today, even in this message and throughout this series and every time we gather here at Refuge. But let's join our faith together. Thank you, Father. Father, we bow our heads before you and we thank you for this opportunity this time that you've given us to gather as believers, as people that are reaching out for you. Father, we want to have an encounter with you, not just a church experience. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit to move in this place today to quicken and bring to light the truth of your word so we can be equipped and empowered to live out this life in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, Culture Shock, I have a few questions just to pose to you this morning as we begin this series. Uh, The first one is, who is to blame for what's wrong in our world today and what's wrong in our society today, and what can we do about it? Who's to blame and what can we do about it? Uh, How do we respond to what's happening in this world? That's another good question we can think about and ponder on. And then what is our mission for this culture? What is our responsibility? And then how can we bring hope and love to our world? How can we do that? What is shocking to you in the world today? What's shocking to you when you read the headlines? All part of that is is this thing called culture shock that we're living in. Now, I want to define for you culture shock. Dictionary.com actually defines it as a state of bewilderment and distress experienced by an individual who is suddenly exposed to a new, strange, or foreign social or cultural environment. Now, that's a mouthful, but you can look at it. I'm not, I'm not going to repeat that, okay? <laughs> now, and really, culture shock is this sense of disorientation because we're in maybe a place of unfamiliarity, And we're challenged with thoughts, ideas, perceptions that are foreign to us. And so culture shock can be that initial, like, what is this all about? And we're we're uncomfortable because we're in a place that we're not familiar with. In fact, there can be different values, different ideas, and, and, and that can kind of throw us for a loop. Culture shock is actually an experience A person may have when you move to a new culture, a new nation, a new language, a territory. Um, I can remember the first time I went on a mission trip. We actually, I went to Saltillo, Mexico, which is a city in in central Mexico. It's not too far from Monterey. It's just over the mountain pass. 
and there's this city called Saltillo. And to me, that was a culture shock, just even driving through the streets and seeing the condition of the way the people lived. Uh, to me, it was like there was almost a sickness in my heart because I'm thinking, how can people live like this? How can people uh, live in this type of poverty? And then that experience even took another level when we went into the mountains and we began to minister in little churches in Indian villages, these people living in remote places in the mountains. And, you know, this one experience was we, we went to this woman's home who was a member of, of the local church that we had ministered at. And this house was made out of cardboard leftover boards, anything they could find, sheets of metal, and they put this thing together, and it was maybe five feet by five feet, and that's where she, her husband, and her family was, and we prayed for, for the, the little girl who uh, the finger uh, was, was uh, bitten by a rat, and partially eaten by a rat that had attacked that little child in the nighttime, and I'm thinking, Lord, these people live under such conditions. And I was just in that state of shock in dealing with this. And then this woman had this brand new galvanized wash basin. And she brought it out. And yeah, I mean, you know, there's chickens running around, there's pigs. I mean, this is like out in the boonies, you know, uh, no electricity, nothing out there. And she brings this wash basin, and the interpreter, a missionary, was translating for her, and she was testifying of God's provision for her family that provided this wash basin, basin for, for, to, so that they could take care of, of the needs of her family. And I was thinking, Lord, you know, I'm so ungrateful and so unthankful. We've been so blessed in America. We have no clue to how the rest of the world lives. And so to me, that was a culture shock. And that changed my life because going into other third world countries and doing missionary work in Africa, we've seen deplorable situations and conditions. But yet we've also seen God moving in the hearts of people that love him and are thankful for him and appreciative to what they have. So in this series, we're going to look at the dynamic of culture shock, but we're going to examine Bible stories of men and women who shocked their culture. So there's a twist on this. Because you can be shocked by the culture, or you can be someone that shocks the culture. Okay? So when we talk about culture shock, what can you do to shock this culture? And so we're going to start with a man called Noah. And, uh, as, and when we, we talk about him, we're going we're to see some, some dynamic things that he did in, in his simple faith and obedience to God. And we want to look at these individuals that shocked their culture because they were not willing to be conformed to the world system. But they allowed God to transform them. And see, if we're going to shock our culture, we need to be willing that God wants to use us to transform the culture, to make a difference, to change what's happening, okay? And so we, we need to look to the Word. And, and I, want, I want to share this with you because the Bible is so important my encouragement to you is to read it every day. And, and don't just read it, study it, and, and make the word a part of your daily diet. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
We grow spiritually when we spend time in the Bible, okay? Now, and I, I just want to share this because as we look to the Word, you need to realize that the Word of God will never make you feel good about your sin. But it will cause conviction about your sin. And it will give you the answer to break free from your sin. You see, so many people are looking for a message that will just uh, agree with them and make them feel good about where they're at with their life. But the Word is going to confront you in your lifestyle to bring forth change, to bring you to a place of conviction so that you can come to a place of repentance. And to repent means you change directions. You change the way that you're going. And we need repentance in America. As a nation, we need to change the direction that we're going. And I believe that many are turning to God. And many are repenting and beginning to allow God to use them. And they will be those that will shock this culture. And so I want to lead you to a key verse that we are going to be sharing in this series. It's found in Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2, and I'm going to read uh, this in two particular translations. The first is the New International Version, and I'm going to read the first part of it. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So instead of being conformed, we're to be transformed. We're transformed as we renew our mind to the Word of God, when we begin to think in terms of with the truth, the way God wants us to think from his perspective. This book is God's perspective delivered to you in print, in the form of print. So we can come to know and understand the heart, the mind of God, his desire for you. And so we can embrace that for our own life, which the word has the power to transform your life. The word has the power to change you into the person that God wants you to be. So you can't do it apart from the Word. There's too many self-help efforts by people that are trying to change their life apart from God and apart from His Word. We can't do it, okay? Now, through this transformation process, we are called to transform our culture and society. And I don't know if you've seen the Transformer movies. Any of you seen those movies? I kind of think they're cool. I'm still a kid at heart with that. You know, where these, these vehicles, it's usually some old broken down car and it transforms into some kind of mechanical uh, robot, you know. Uh, but when we think about that, there's, there's elements there that we can see that God wants to transform us into something and someone that can do something significant in this world, Okay. Well, you see this old car driving down the road, and you say, oh, that's just an old car driving around the road, but then there's a transformation that can come, and, and then there's things that happen. And if you didn't see the film, you don't know what I'm talking about, so don't worry about it. Okay. Now, Romans 12, 2, in, in God's Word translation, reads this way. It says, don't become like people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. Then you will always be able to determine to determine what God really wants, what is good, what is pleasing, and perfect. Wow. Now, this, this past Friday, um, there was a celebration of life for Dr. Billy Graham, and he recently passed away, and there's a lot in the media about his message, his life, his testimony, his witness to this world, and the lives that he's impacted. And I have a quote that's in relation to this passage I just read, and it reads, 
we must remember, this is by Billy Graham, we must remember that we communicate the gospel by our lives as well as our lips. We live in a watching world, a world that is waiting to see if what we say is lived out in our lives. And see, I think that's the biggest criticism to the church. Uh, you've heard it said, oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Why? Because what's coming out of their lips is different from how they live their lives. They may be saying one thing and doing another. And see, that's not representative of a transformed life. And that's not representative of somebody that's going to change the culture or shock the culture in a positive light. Now, again, and I want to reinforce this, we can either be those who are shocked by our culture or be those who shock our culture, okay? In 1975, there was a man by the name of Bill Bright that met with Lauren Cunningham and Francis Schaefer. And they met and they came together and believed that if we were going to change our culture for Jesus Christ, one of the keys was to influence the seven cultural mountains. And those seven mountains were defined as business, government, media, entertainment, education, the family, and the church. Those are those seven spheres of influence, of influence that God wants us to invade and change with heaven's dynamic so that we can see God's kingdom come. His will be done in those cultural mountains. Now, in a, a, re, a recent article that I read uh, on the seven cultural mountains, it was stated that it only takes... 3 to 5% of people operating at the top of these spheres to shift them. 3 to 5%. So God's looking for 3 to 5% of you to do something significant. Amen. To get involved in, in these spheres and begin to make a difference. You know, some of you might not like politics. You might not think you don't want anything to do with it. But maybe God might want you to run for office. So that you can make a difference in that sphere. Don't just leave it for people that don't know God. And, and if with every area, the media, entertainment, education, those are spheres that we need to begin to affect in a positive light. Now, Noah. Let's talk about Noah. A man who shocked his culture. And I want to give you a little bit of backdrop about this man. We see the biblical account of Noah starting in Genesis chapter 6. It was actually approximately 1,600 years since the creation of Adam and Eve when the earth, you know, and all that, everything started, first family. And um, the depravity at the point that he was alive and the ungodly lifestyles of the world at that time was enough to cause the Lord to come to a place of regret to actually regret that he had made man. We see that in Genesis 6.6. Now, in his obedience to God, he was able to preserve the human race and the species by building this ark, which saved him and his family and the species of all the animals of, you know, two of each kind, uh, so that the earth would be preserved. Otherwise, we would have been annihilated this world would have been extinct. But because of Noah, 
And his courage and his faithfulness to God were all alive today because there was a new start, a fresh beginning because of a man that obeyed God and surrendered to his will. Now we see in, in chapters of Genesis account, if you want to read it, the life of Noah, it spans from actually chapter 5 through chapter 9, right up to chapter 10. You can read the whole account of the flood, Noah's life, and what he did and accomplished. Now, in both the Old and New Testaments, it's very interesting because we see multiple references to Noah. We see some of the prophets referring to Noah. We see Jesus referring to Noah. We see the apostles in the New Testament referring to Noah. So this story of Noah, there's a thread work throughout the Bible because of the ramifications of what was accomplished. And I want, to turn, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 5. Uh, and actually, Noah was the 10th of the pre-flood patriarchs. His father was Lamech. And when Noah was 100 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We see that in Genesis 5.32. And his destiny was declared at birth. And it's very interesting. We see that in Genesis uh, 5.28 and 29. Let's look at that. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Now what's interesting about that, you might say, well, how come these guys live so long? Kind of a little side note. Um, there's a number of, of speculations of, of why there was greater longevity. Um, but we see that after the flood, God said man's days would be 120 years. And so that would be a reduced lifespan from how it was. And scientists, some have a speculation that before the flood, there was an atmospheric layer of water that surrounded the earth. And um, because it had never rained, the earth was like a had a greenhouse effect where the whole earth was in this bubble of atmospheric water. And so when the flood came, the Bible says the heavens were open. It had never rained before then. And so that atmospheric layer of water came crashing down, becoming a deluge. And then also the subwaters began to come up from the ground. And um, the earth's axis is tilted six degrees. And scientists and you can do your own research on this, they say a sudden shift in the Earth's, Earth's axis of six degrees could actually cause the subwaters to come to the front because whether you know it or not, there's lots of lakes and bodies of water underground, reservoirs underground. You drink from a well, a lot of you have wells, that's underground water. So the flood not only came from beneath, but it came from above to cause a deluge upon the whole planet. And so that's all I'll go with the scientific um, uh, uh, explanation. But it's interesting that this word was spoken over his birth, that this was the man that Noah would be. And, and I want to share with you this morning three powerful statements that we see in Genesis about Noah, which is why I believe he shocked his culture. And these are three statements that we can embrace for our own life. Number one, we see this in Genesis 6, 8. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. 
Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now let me share this because this is something so important that you and I need to realize. Favor is something that is found or discovered. Okay? Realize that you already have favor with God. See, favor with Noah in the time of pending judgment, he found favor in God. And see, you and I need to find our favor with God because, believe it or not, you are one of his favorites. Now, my children, and especially the youngest, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> She's so sweet. I love her so much. She says, Dad, am I your favorite? My answer every time is, yes, you are my favorite. But you know, the, the joy is you can have more than one favorite. So no matter what child asks me, am I your favorite? The answer is always yes. And, and I believe if you ask that same question to God, God, am I your favorite? He's going to say yes, because you are his favorite. But Noah found that favor. He discovered that favor. And that favor is what transformed his life. Now, you might say, okay, give me some scripture here so I can know what you're talking about is true. 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal as it were through us. We, as Christ's personal representatives, beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. Notice in this version, and you can read it in other translations, there is favor that's offered to us. And that favor is offering to us a way out of sin, to be reconciled. The word reconciled means to be brought back into right favor or to be brought back into right relationship with. And so we are offered the favor of God. See, Noah simply responded to that favor. He found favor with the Lord, okay? And, and so we need to find our favor with him as well and be reconciled or brought back into right relationship to God. Now, another thing we observe in Noah's life that shocked his culture, Noah was a righteous man. Now, what that simply means is he lived right. He lived right before God. And we see that in Genesis 6-9. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his generation. You know, people couldn't find fault in him. He was a man of integrity. He meant what he said, and he said, you know, you know he, he was somebody that just followed through as a man of integrity. Um, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He stood up for truth when it wasn't popular. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, we see that mentioned by the Apostle Peter. In verse 5, it reads, And he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world, upon the world of the ungodly. And notice it says he preserved Noah. Because of favor, Noah found preservation. Because Noah found favor with God. Now, the New Living Version says, but Noah was a preacher of right living. And so we see that in that particular translation. Now, let me just ask you this question. How has God preserved you? Because I believe God desires to preserve you from, 
from the yuck of life, from things that would happen. Not that you're not going to have negative experiences, but he wants to preserve you in the midst of, of challenging times. Because when you think about it, Noah was preserved in the ark when there was massive worldwide judgment and devastation. He found preservation in the midst of judgment. And so 1 Peter 3.20, the scripture reads, they formerly did not obey, this is speaking of the ancient world, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Notice that God was patient. He was patiently waiting for Noah to accomplish the task of building an ark to preserve those who he was going to use to start all over a, a new world. Now, just as Noah, guess what? He preached. He told people about the coming judgment. He was a preacher of righteousness. For 100 years, he preached. In his spare time, he built the ark, okay? That was his, probably his full-time job. Because I'm sure people came around saying, what is this guy doing? What is this thing? And so everyone that would come and inquire, he would preach and share the truth about the God of creation. So just as it was for Noah, it's our job to tell them we are responsible for this generation to warn them of the coming judgment, to tell them of the urgency of the hour. Ezekiel, the Bible speaks of and through him that we're watchmen and that we have to declare the truth. And if we don't, then the, their blood is on our hands. So we have to warn them. We have to tell them. See, it's not our job to make them respond. It's our job to share the truth with them. We don't have to fear judgment if we take heed to the warnings. And that's what we see happening in, in that day. But see... It's understanding that there's a parallel of the times, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. Sadly, the people ignored Noah's preaching. He could have been a very discouraged preacher, not having any converts except for his own family. And see, there's a message right there. He took his family with him. Noah's message was one of repentance, warning the people of the coming judgment. See, when you hear the word of God, you shouldn't feel more comfortable with your sin. You're supposed to feel conviction. You're not supposed to feel comfortable about your sinful life. You should feel conviction enough to repent. And so God wants to change you. He wants to transform you. But there comes this response on your part to allow him to do that. When you hear the word of God, the word of God will change you and let it bring that conviction. So what else do we observe in Noah's life that shocked his culture? The third point is Noah walked with God when others refused to. Amen. Noah walked with God when others refused to. When it wasn't popular, he walked with God. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, the scripture reads, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of his thoughts, of the thoughts of his heart, was only evil continually. 
And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the population of that day was totally given over to evil to the point where they had made choices and decisions that it seemed like they weren't going to turn around. But Noah continued to preach. God continued to wait and extend his mercy until judgment finally came. Now, the parallel, we see Jesus addresses this parallel of the last days, comparing them to the days of Noah. And so there's similarities that we can see in today's culture that were evident at the time of Noah in his day. You know, life is going on as usual. In Luke chapter 17, we see in verse 26, Jesus is speaking and he declares, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Verse 27, they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. See, Jesus said that end time events would be like those during the time of Noah. We see that very clearly. What were those conditions like? And why should we be concerned? Well, for one thing, there was widespread violence. There was a disrespect for life. In verse 13, in Genesis 6, And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, let me just make this statement because it's important because we understand that the God we serve is a loving God. But God is a God of mercy and grace, and he continues to extend his mercy, his love, and his grace. But if people continue to reject it, if they continue to reject his mercy, if they continue to reject his grace, eventually they're going to face his judgment. That's not God's desire. First uh, Peter 3, 9 Actually, 2 Peter 3, 9, the scripture tells us that God is not willing that, that any be lost or that any perish, but that all come to repentance. See, it's not God's will that any be lost, that people die and go to hell. That's not God's will for anyone. But you say, if that's not God's will, then why does it happen? Because... God has given us a free will to choose. And if we repent, we'll be saved, we'll be changed, we'll be transformed, we'll be forgiven. See, there's a need that every person has in their life. We were born in this thing called sin because of the original sin. That was passed to us. The sin nature was passed to us through Adam. But Jesus came to address the sin nature. And he offers us a new nature that overpowers the nature of sin. And so when Jesus came, he came to give us life. And that's a qualified life because it's his life. He came to share his life with us. He came to become part of us. He, he, he became man. He became sinned so that he could take the penalty and the brunt of that sin for you and for me. He bore that penalty. 
Jesus brought culture shock to the world. He not only shocked the culture of his day, he continues to shock the culture of every generation, including ours. See, we're living in the most urgent moment of human history. I believe that. And no one really knows the day they're going to die. But you need to be ready and prepared for it. And you can be. Because when you make your peace with God, you can be prepared and ready for the time that you die. Mercy, again, always precedes judgment. And Jesus really is God's mercy sent to save us from the coming judgment. God won't force himself on you to be saved. You have to receive him. The Bible says, for those who have received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. You can become his child. You can become part of his family by believing on him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. In this moment right now, I want you to ponder your own life and ask yourself this very important question. If I were to die today, am I ready to meet Jesus? Do I have assurance that I'd go to heaven? Or am I uncertain? And may I be facing hell's judgment? You may be at the place where I don't believe in a heaven or a hell. I wouldn't bank on that. Because you don't know what happens beyond the grave when you die, when you leave this world. You might have ideas, but we have truth of the Bible that gives us certainty so that we can know. I want you this morning to respond to an invitation. If you had a place, you say, Pastor, I don't know that my life is right with God. If I were to die today, I'm uncertain where to go. And you say, would you pray for me, Pastor, so that I could make my peace with God so that I could receive the gift of eternal life that Jesus came to give? If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to make sure my life is right with him. Thank you for that hand. The others this morning. Okay, we're going to pray this prayer. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. I want you to pray this prayer together. And I don't want you just to say my words. I want you to embrace these words from your own heart. As we call on the name of the Lord, as we acknowledge our need, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Lord Jesus, I believe you were sent to die for my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead to give me new life. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I receive you now. I believe you now. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.